Pastel de nata. Churros. Brigadeiro. Calzone. Apple pie. Shredu rou pian. Bangers and mash. Toad in the hole. Paella. Welcome back, everyone, for another episode of Turning Chickens and Breaking Dishes. My guest today became famous on social media platform TikTok with the question, Hey, babe, what do you want for dinner? New Zealand-born, he has led kitchens in restaurants in London, Sydney, and Melbourne. His videos have reached millions and millions of viewers, where he delivers great content, amazing execution, and most importantly, a narrow relationship. He keeps his other half happier than ever, at least when it comes to the cooking. Andy Harden, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. How are you? I'm really well, thanks. Yeah, it's uh, sun shining. It's, uh, it's Friday. How good? I feel a lot of people like have this hate, but it's a hate with the love outside about Australia and New Zealand because everything always just feels the paradise. I come from a coastal country. <laughs> You're talking about waking up early, but nobody wakes up at 6 a.m. unless you go surfing. Uh, and some people do that. My yeah. brother does that every day. But there's something about we feel like you're everything in Australia and New Zealand just very, there's just no stress. Is that true? Do you feel that living there? Oh, I mean, <clears throat> I don't think I don't think anyone lives stress free. But um, I think I'm, I'm a, I've traveled a lot and I'm a realist and to 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 understand how lucky we are in this part of the world. Yeah, yeah. we're very, very lucky. I'm glad you mentioned traveling. We'll get there in a second, but because I always ask the first question opening, have you ever been to Portugal? I have. Oh, there you go. Did you like it? Just say yes, because it makes me yeah. happy for half an hour at least. <laughs> yes. Perfect. Yes, I, I, I genuinely loved it. The food's fantastic. It is good. People don't believe me. In all your videos, and we'll talk about your videos, have, have we had any requests from Caitlin from Portuguese food or no? Um, mate, I think just the, the, the egg custard tarts. Yeah. Yeah. But apart from that, no, no, we'll, we'll take care of that. Andy, I'll send you a recipe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah we'll take care of yeah, that. Sure. I think it'll be good. Yeah. Growing up, who was the inspiration in the family? Yeah. Um, my mum was the cook for sure. And, and we grew up um, eating at the table, which is kind of pretty uncommon these days, I think, but you know, breakfast at the table, if we were home for lunch was at the table and dinner was always at the table. So um, yeah, mum mum wasn't a um she's not a fancy cook, but she was a good home cook. Do you remember anything she used to make was really good? Uh oh, lots of stuff. Like just this the the classics, like um she you know did a good lasagna, um, she did a good beef stroganoff, um, chicken a la king, kind of those classic, you know, dishes from the eighties. You are you were born in New Zealand, correct? Yeah. Is it correct. true that as we say in the US, y'all don't like each other or that's not true? Australians and New Zealand. No, I mean, there's there's always a um, there's a, a rivalry there, like like a lot of places in the world, right? Like I'm sure, like Spain and Portugal, yeah. but you know, there's also a mutual respect. So, how did everything start? It and I guess you didn't control, obviously, because that's the thing about social media, right? One day you make a video, put on TikTok, and then explodes, right? Just explodes. You can tell you're very methodical how you do things, and it's not just like a random video about food, because there's a lot of them out there. Why do you think yours? It was just this explosion. Um, I think I kind of, I went into it with my eyes wide open as far as um, wanting to create content that that reached a lot of people. So I did a lot of research into, you know, how we can kind of engage people quickly, you know, and from everything I looked at, basically the first three seconds are so important to to capture their imagination and and get them to stay on the video, especially on TikTok where the algorithm's so crazy, you can just kind of swipe up and you're in the next video. So, yeah, I mean, I studied a lot that and then 
you know, my first videos weren't particularly crazy, but I did kind of get, you know, a lot of followers in, in the first six months. So, um, yeah, I think, I think just because I'm, you know, maybe slightly more mature now, I can, I actually put thought process into it instead of just making videos. And I pretty quickly became, uh, apparent that people don't want to see chefy food. People want to see what they eat at home. You know, like chef, chefs notorious for cooking the food they love. And I, I always say this to guys that have that have worked for me. It's like stop cooking for your your chef mates. Cook for the customers because you know, like your chef mates don't don't pay the bills, right? Like, Do you have any pressure nowadays? Because you know, since the videos go so viral, that. Is there a compromise you do that you know every so often I need to release this? Do you do you get a little more paranoid, or you're already pretty relaxed about it? No, I'm pretty well. I think I'm more paranoid about the, the like the actual uh, the classic like dishes of origin that that now I kind of go a lot deeper on to research into them now as much as I can. Um, so because. If I represent a country like Portugal and I want to do your national dish, then I've got, I've got a, a, a duty of care to make sure that I'm representing that as well as I can. But it's really hard, you know, because these classic dishes from these countries, they not only kind of vary from, from region to region, they vary from family to family, right? So there's always someone that's upset because I haven't cooked it like their nonna's made it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think there's certainly a bit, bit more paranoia around that and just making sure that I, I represent that country as well as I can. I think it's one of the things that you, without having the story, you can see in your videos. I'll just give you a quick example. Gordon Ramsay, he came out with a show called The Uncharted, I believe. He was all over the world and he went to Portugal and he made like a breakfast something Portuguese style, Mexican. And he started throwing like Spanish sausages. It was a whole debacle everybody just start complaining because you know in portugal or in spain and i think your videos without the story behind without explaining you can tell there's just something about it i don't know what it is and i think maybe that's why it's one of the reasons there's so much success you can tell you don't like ah let me just do you know whatever it's fine even if there's no camera on are you like that all the time yeah i mean uh if i'm yeah yeah I am, but I guess I cook very differently now when the camera's not on. I guess that's the only caveat to that. Because basically my home is my studio now. It's kind of where I work and we film this camera set up always and we're always filming here. It's not, that's very rare that I'm cooking and it's not on camera. So yeah. when I do, it's like stripped right back to basics. Is Caitlin a good but everything with a tent, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, of she's terrible. <laughs> she's terrible? <laughs> Oh. She's terrible. She can't. She doesn't cook. She can't. She's Caitlin's has never had a need to cook in her life or to learn to cook. She's very lucky. So she, you know, she like most teenagers, she went like, grew up at home and then left home and tra went traveling, went to Europe. So you know, you don't cook when you're bloody backpacking around Europe and living in share houses. And then uh, not too long after that, you no, know, we we met and. She never had to cook once we met, so she's not, just never not a had pancake. To learn. She doesn't do a pancake. She doesn't do something like that. Breakfast? No, I'm no, trying to help no, her. She, she'll she'll bake avocado on toast if she has to. There you go. Um, but that's, that's about as as far as it gets. <laughs> There's an art to that. And speaking of Caitlin, she yeah. actually she left a question for you. <laughs> it's true. She asked me if Andy could only take me to one place to visit the origins of one dish. Where will that be? Oof. It's her question, so you have That's to answer. A good question. It's a good question. I think it would probably be Spain um, because 
I, I'm sorry. As a You're really stabbing my heart here. Me. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. I appreciate it. <laughs> thanks. Okay, keep going. Spain, let's go. I, I love Spain. It's a fantastic okay. country. So, um, well, How's the food scene in Australia? Because coming from or being so far, uh, we don't have, at least I don't have a grasp. And I think everything things nowadays are more international, quote unquote, right? It's a little easier to. But how's the food scene nowadays there? What do you see people going for? What's uh, what's happening? Yeah, the, the food scene's good, man. It's um, it's changed a lot, right? So when I, I I grew up in New Zealand, like you're saying, and then the first thing you do as a chef and growing up in New Zealand, when when I grew up in the eighties and nineties, is you leave New Zealand, right? Because there's just nothing. There was no food culture there. You know, we're, New Zealand and Australia are really young countries. We don't have historical food culture. You know, we have a lot of immigrants. So you know, there's a huge Italian community, a huge Greek community. Um, you know, a huge Asian community from all over Asia, especially from, you know, the Philippines and, and uh, Indonesia. And so, you know, really heavily influenced from that part of the world. But but the food scene's really taken off in the last 10 years in Australia uh, and New Zealand. It's good. And I think what's happened, right, is my generation left, you know, they went out and they learned to cook and they've come back and they're putting their own spin on things. And, and we're not kind of, um, we're not cocooned in, in food culture culture right so we don't have these these rules around food so guys can be and girls can be really kind of experimental you know like that and, and it's um that can be really good it can also be really bad but um in, in general the food seems good people eat out a lot here people eat out breakfast a lot here our breakfast culture is massive it's probably it's, it's kind of renowned it's not real i've never seen anything like it else in the world people everyone goes out for breakfast whether it's really simple or it's really you know, advanced um there's not many people kind of eat much you know eat, eat breakfast at home especially in the weekends um but then and then yeah i mean the the lunchtime and dinner trade's good it's you know like a lot of the world the restaurant scene's probably overpopulated there's probably too many restaurants in, in reality and the margins are really thin like it's a really tough industry um and you've got to be creative and at the forefront to kind of to to really make it but um but uh, yeah the other issue that australia's got is that australia is massive people don't kind of kind of yeah. grasp how big Australia is you know it's, I think it's land mass is probably bigger than the US but the, our population is like 26 million right so people are kind of spread out around the edges so it makes it tough for for ingredients and just for for commerce uh, you know stuff has to travel so far so yeah, you know there's positives and negatives to it are you guys still putting beets on everything or that's a, that's a myth <laughs> they do they do love their beets down here. Yeah, their beets, not, that's I, true. I, I don't mind. Yeah, yeah, I'm not I'm not I'm, they put beetroot on burger down here and I'm just not a fan of that at all. So they do that. Yeah, they put beets on a burger. So a beet uh, yeah. there's there's three things I particularly don't care for it. It's liver, oysters, and beets. And I can't do with beets. There's just something yeah. about them. But I know <laughs> you guys just throw in everything. I don't know why. You know when that yeah, started yeah. or that was just a uh, uh that's been around for like since the seventies and eighties. I think I think it's because you could, um, beets was one of the, like, the things that they canned first. They put in cans first down here. And unlike in Portuguese and Spanish cultures, canned foods are kind of, aren't that renowned, right? Like people say, oh, you can something. That's disgusting. Whereas in, in your culture, canning stuff's like you're preserving the best of that season, right? So, you know, canned beets was, was pretty, pretty early on in the seventies, probably when canning kind of came down here. And they just—it's just easy to grow, right? They're not—they're not hard to grow. So yeah, we do a lot of canned, uh, even codfish, sardines, mackerel, right? We do the whole yeah. the whole thing. It's pretty good. They're delicious. Yeah. First memory of taste. <laughs> oh, good question. Thank you. I um, have one good question per podcast. 
This is, <laughs> this is the one. First memory of tape. You really racked my brain with that one. Yeah. Uh, probably a mellow puff. So a mellow puff is a, like a very, it's like a biscuit in New Zealand. And it's like a, a cookie with marshmallow covered in chocolate. I reckon that's probably my first. I'm okay. a big sweet tooth. So. Underrated ingredient. Underrated ingredients. Um, underrated you say beets. Ingredients. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> not. Absolutely <laughs> not. Um, I think just just like spring onions, you know, like I love spring onions. Yeah, I think I'm a huge fan of them. I love them. Okay. Overrated. Ooh, okra. <laughs> okra, okay. Do you guys yeah. use a lot of okra down there? I hate it. Oh, yeah, they have. I mean, it's quite a bit of okra down here. But I mean, it's from, you know, coming from... Well, the Southeast Asian community yeah. brings it down or grows it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I hate it. <laughs> Best midnight snack. Oh, cheese toasty. Yeah, cheese toasty. Like just oh. like a grilled cheese. Or like all the dirty, dirty. I mean, I'm a chef, right? Like we, I, I kind of talk about this quite a bit. Like um, I grew up eating like like fast food at, at 1 a.m. because that's what was open, right? So you can't beat like a doner kebab from uh, the local takeaway shop at 1 a.m. in London. That's something still people don't quite understand that some of my friends, they used to tell me, you're a chef, so how come you eat fast food? And I used to tell them all the time, you know, it's much easier if you have a nine to five job, you go home, now you work. And luckily, you know, I work right now, I work at an embassy here in DC. So my my pace of life, it's a little different. But when I did a little bit of those crazy restaurants, a lot of hours, nobody's going to eat a salad at 1.30 a.m. He's just not going to do that. And they don't understand. They're like, you're a chef. You're not going home and make like, absolutely not. It's crazy. One meal you can have for the rest of your life. Oh, it'd probably have to be fried rice. Strangest food combination. This one can be a little tricky. Something that you eat that some people, maybe Caitlin, she looks at you. She's like, no. This normally this normally <laughs> happens a lot in the sweet and uh, salty kind of world together. Yeah. I always, yeah. I, I repeat here a lot on a podcast, but you know, I've heard people saying, a peppermint candy cane inside of a dill pickle, popcorn in tomato soup. I've heard a lot of strange <laughs> things. Blue cheese on top of dark chocolate. Yeah. I don't know. Do you have any strange food combination? Well, I have one thing that I eat pretty regularly that uh, there's, a, there's a girl that I work with in the test kitchen, her name's Ash, and she she always freaks out when I eat this. And uh, I just have like a savory porridge. So I make porridge with um, with water. And then I put like bonito flakes, nori seasoning, um, you know, like a little bit of maggi seasoning in it, and then crack a raw egg on top. And that, it's delicious, right? And it, and it kind of comes from it's kind of a, a take on you know congee, like they eat a lot in, in China and and uh, in that part of the world where, but it's kind of rice. They just cook out rice to make a porridge out of it. I kind of just use those flavors and do it with rolled oats. Now everyone always, I think Australians find that really weird, but I, I think it's. That sounds good. The name of the podcast is Turning Chickens and Breaking Dishes. Those are actually two Portuguese phrases. Turning chickens means someone that has a lot of experience and breaking dishes means someone that has exceeded expectations. Do you think you'd be turning more chickens or breaking more dishes? Ooh, I think turning chickens, yeah, for sure. Okay. And at the end of the podcast, I tell my guests to sell their fish. That means to talk about yourself. That's the Portuguese phrase. Where people can find you, you know, you do a lot of food content. Is there anything, you know, people can expect? Just sell your fish a little bit. Thank you very much. So, yeah, um, Andy Cooks on all platforms, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, YouTube. So focusing more on 2023 and long format YouTube.
content uh, and doing a series that we're going to call Origins, where we're going to travel to these destinations around the world and actually find out the the origins of these dishes that I love to cook so much. So check out that. And there's a cookbook coming next year too. Andy, I know it's early there. I normally ask my my guests what's for dinner. Since it's so early there, I'll ask you what's for lunch. Do you know? Uh, no, I've got a Christmas party. So I think, I'm not sure what's for lunch, but I'm going to a party. So it could be Christmas, Christmas party. Okay. Just very quickly. What's your favorite? What's your Christmas meal for you? What's your favorite? Oh, um, I think probably a, a glazed ham with roast potatoes and, and all the trimmings. And favorite dessert for Christmas? Oh, pavlova. Okay. So that's like meringue and cream and fruit. Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. Okay, perfect. Well, Andy, thank you very much. Let's make sure we do a Portuguese dish because I think it's missing. I have to tell Caitlin, like, hey, I'm, I want some Portuguese clams and whatever. We'll take care of that. So thank you very much for accepting the invitation. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thank you so much, Andy, for coming on the podcast. Don't forget to check out the other interviews so far from this season. If you want to leave any question or suggestion for a guest on the show, you can find me on Instagram at David G. Martins Chef. That is D-A-V-I-D-E-G-M-A-R-T-I-N-S-C-H-E-F or on my website, davidgmartins.com. I'll be back next week. Stay safe, be happy. Adeus.